This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Uh, welcome along to the preseason football roundtable of Georgia State football. Um, my name is Brady from Thursday Night Podcast. Joined for now by Dave and Ryan from the State of Atlanta Podcast. We did this two off like two preseasons ago and uh, didn't do it last year, which I guess worked out because it probably would have been a lot of talking about like, oh man, Quad Brown's going to be so good, and it would have like <laughs> aged terribly in retrospect. But I just <laughs> like getting a little meeting of the minds going right before the season, just to put some takes out in the uh, ether to where they either look really good or really bad. Um, I guess the place to start with this season is just that it's another year where I think maybe the expectations, if they're not exactly the same, they've raised rather than any lowering going on. And it's just a different place for Georgia State football to be from where it was even five years ago. And certainly a credit to what Coach Elliott and his staff have been able to bring to Atlanta. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is the way it should be. This is the best team that Georgia State has ever put on the field. And it should be every year you should be getting better. You you should not be taking steps back. I know that happens in rebuilding years, but that's not where we are anywhere close to. So, yeah, this is the best team we've ever put on the field. The expectations should be the highest they've ever been this season. I know mine are and uh, to your point earlier if you would have talked to to us last year going into the season i think we spent three months of the off season talking about how amazing quad and destin were going to be uh in that last year and uh, yeah we came to earth really quickly and we've been skeptical not wanting to say too much too many great things about darren or tucker or any of the guys uh it's hard to not say great things about antavius but uh, yeah it's been um a quieter off season, at least on our side of things, predicting what's going to happen this year. This year, yeah, we definitely did that too. We did the we're like might be a four year quarterback finally at Georgia State, and nope, still <laughs> ty, jury's still out on that happening at any point. Well, and and what you notice is that we're getting a lot of respect from media and stuff, like people that are coming out saying you know how good the program is and how we have you know all these players returning and and all these starts and all that stuff, and um, <clears throat> we're not used to that, you know. <laughs> so right. and the thing is, is everyone in college football has had the same advantage of the extra COVID years that have now been through the last two years right. where seniors have been able to stay on. But without like having gone down every roster in college football, I think Georgia state's been able to take advantage of that more than a lot of schools because they've kept these seniors that have been starters for an extra year. And this year you're seeing it where you lose, you lose Marius Gilmore on the offensive line, but you still got four of your starters coming back. And I mean, when we talk about Georgia State and what Coach Elliott's brought, that's where it starts is that the offensive line has just been such a force and such an important part of what they're trying to establish. And I mean, when you look at the games on the schedule, you can kind of see, no matter whether it's the start against South Carolina or even in the conference play, you know what Georgia State's going to try to do. And on the evidence of the last couple of seasons, what they're going to probably succeed to do is just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And like you talked about it, ended up not being Destin Coates, but Tucker Gregg and Jam Williams and uh, that's who's starting out this year where we're expecting pretty good years from those guys. Yeah, the Coach yeah, I mean, Elliott philosophy of football, shove the ball down the opponent's throat every single down until they just can't take it any longer. Uh, and it's been it's been working for them. It's getting, gotten better every season. If we can put together a legitimate passing game to complement that, it, Georgia State's going to be uh, incredibly difficult for any team to handle. 
you know, and at the luncheon yesterday, there was like a lot of coach speak going on, but you could tell that there was a lot of confidence in our, in our running backs and our ability to run the ball like that, that will, did not feel like coach speak. So I, I think, I think there's a lot of confidence <laughs> at least right there. Yeah. When we heard from the players at the Georgia state media day, there was definitely that confidence too. And I think it's been measured and coach Elliott's definitely been attempting to measure it where, you know, you had him come out after the first day of practice talking about how it was like the worst practice ever. And, you know, we weren't in practice so we don't know how much of that's true or not, if it was flat or if it was just all coach speak, but you can tell that that's been the motivation from his side and from the coach's side of not letting like last off season, there was a lot of confidence too. And the start was what it was. And it wasn't just that the team started one and four the performances in the first two games just really didn't give you a chance to win. And then you add in the record was where it was. They're kind of backed up and the season finished, you know, winning seven of eight, but it's not a given you do that. And so I, I think certainly the takeaway I've gotten from as we are just about to hit into game week is that they weren't going to let it be a thing where the exact same confidence let them down this year that it did last year. And I, I think it's good that you see the noticeable difference from the staff because you'd worry about if everything was the same and it was all rah-rah and there wasn't a recognition that last year was a lot of buzz and then d- didn't really get the payoff until midway to the end of the season. Seeing something yeah. done different, you know, it does. it's like Einstein's definition of insanity. They, you're not doing the same right. thing. Well, my question would be, you know, going into last season, it, it wasn't just us looking forward to having Quad and Dustin back, but like that's what the they were the undeniable starters from the very beginning. Was there anything that the coaching staff saw in those uh, summer workouts and the spring workouts that made them think that, you know, uh, may, maybe mentally or whatever the problem was that uh, you know, Dustin and Quad were not there and that Granger and the other guys were uh, – the ones that should be in the spot because you look at how those, the season started. And I like to live in that world of what ifs and how great the fantasy world, how how things could have been. Had we gone into the season knowing that quad and Dustin were not going to be those guys. And we, we practiced gave the first snaps to Granger from the very beginning. Would we have looked, I'm not saying we would have beaten UNC or army, but would we have looked better in those games? Because it really seemed like putting Granger in and taking Dustin out really was that huge turning point. I just, I, I, I don't know. So what was there anything seen by the coaching staff last year that they thought, no, nah, this will probably work its way out once we get to game day. Yeah. I mean, well, first off, I'd say that this year's kind of be a test case for that, even if it's a different year and you can't rewrite the history because you're going to have that situation where Darren is going to be the starter coming out in Columbia. It's going to not, you know, Destin's obviously not in the program anymore, but, and neither is quad. But you're going to have yeah. this year where it's going to be a nice chance to kind of show that with basically, aside from a couple of us, other starters who left, uh, graduated or whatever, it's going to be basically the same team. And so you are going to get to test that out that if this year goes better, you know, there's something to that. And as far as, you know, whether there was anything to be seen, I think it caught them off guard. I mean, after the game against UNC, you know, Coach Elliott was just not that thrilled. And it didn't seem like something it was like, like just in the way they were talking publicly, it didn't seem like they were ready for not just an 0-2 start, but the 0-2 start that happened. And so I definitely mm-hmm. think it made sure that they were not going to have that happen again this year. And uh, yeah, we'll see if that happens. At the end of the day, the start of this season is probably harder than last year's. Last year's was difficult because I think that this South Carolina team they're opening with is a better SEC team than last year's Auburn team was. I think it's probably also better than the Tennessee team that 
uh, Georgia State beat in oh, 2019. Sure. All, all, although that was still ended up being an eight-win team. Like a lot of that ended up being about how Tennessee was bad, and I think Georgia State loses some of the credit for that because I think Tennessee ended up being pretty decent. Georgia State was just elite on that day in Knoxville and had a really good team up- that year too. It was a definition of being overlooked by the big guy, and you know Tennessee started off really slow that season. I think they 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 were a bowl team that year. I don't I don't recall if they won their bowl or not, but they definitely turned yeah. their season around. But also talking about being a tougher schedule, you know USC has not necessarily it doesn't matter, matter the, the game type, but they they have that history of Tennessee out there. They they know that we beat them. They know that we can beat an SEC team. That we're going to come out there playing that way. They saw what happened at Auburn, despite what their fans may say on message boards. They they know that that game was a lot closer than what that final score really was. So they're not going to be taking Georgia State lightly. We're coming in there in Columbia uh, on a night. You know they they have their little light show ready to go they're going to have a packed house it's going to be bumping and grinding like they're going to come out there wanting blood There's they want to show that show? fan base yeah, you yeah see the video? ryan ryan doesn't follow social media or it's pretty cool anymore not gonna lie yeah yeah it's a light yeah. show coordinated it's, it's sandstorm sharp. which is kind of their song but i get i didn't know the light show went along with it this is oh, a, yeah. it was a learning experience i, for me I think well. it's new this season at least uh I don't, i'm not sure if the light show itself is new but i think that the lights themselves may be new something yeah. new about it i think it, it's new to them but uh yeah huh. they're gonna come out and they're they're gonna want to hit us hard and fast early and set this, the tone of the game uh not like we're just another g5 program they're they're gonna want to you know let their fans know and everyone know that they came to mean mean business so it, and Coach Elliott knows that. I mean, yeah, I mean he probably overhears that, the other part he of probably it overhears is, that at the grocery store in Columbia. You know, he, he hears the the coaches and the team and players talking. The other part of it is that, like you say, there's a familiarity. Like I don't remember if they overlapped for that long or if at all, but I believe Co- Coach Beamer and Coach Elliott were at least on staff together under Spurry one year. I might be wrong on that, but I know that he was on he was on that staff at some point before he ended up being the head coach a decade or so later. And so, like they know what. Coach Elliott's going to want to come in and do. They know it's going to be about that ground game and that that's going to be, you know, he's not going to shy away from that because it's an SEC school. As we've seen two straight times playing SEC schools down the wire or having SEC school in Tennessee trying to take it down the wire against you, it's what he's going to do uh, in these games. And, you know, past that, UNC at home, maybe I, I really have no idea what to make the UNC team. The fact that it's a home game makes it maybe an easier game, but it might be a better team than last year who had a lot of issues going on. You hope you can give a better account of yourself, especially in front of the home crowd. And then, you know, Army on the road that with not the full offseason to prep for is going to be a thing to deal with. And that Coastal game, right to start conference play on a Thursday night national TV game, going to be a real, you know, each of the teams in that game is really going to want to be like, this is us asserting ourselves in the Sunbelt East. And there's going to be nowhere to hide in that game. Obviously another familiar person there, Sam Pickney making the transfer and just another game that it's kind of weird. Cause I think both teams kind of want to get revenge because coastal obviously lost Georgia state last year. And I feel like there's still some misgivings about how the 2020 home game for Georgia state went when they lost 51, nothing to Grayson McCall and it was just never a game. So I feel like it's the weird, like both teams want revenge, even though Georgia state actually won the game last year. And that's just going to be right. a really big game. Well, you also the really good, Grayson the really good is news out. is David, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> the really uh, good news is I'm, I'm only going to take like two seconds. The really good news is coastal Carolina is super overrated, so it won't be a problem for us. <laughs> 
While I wholeheartedly agree that Coastal Carolina is overrated and has been for the past two years, I, I think part of what you're talking about, Brady, is Grace McCall was not in that game when we beat them last year in Conway. So he's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove that you know, the reason why they lost that game was because he wasn't there, even though it was, what, 42 to 40 or some ridiculous. It wasn't like Coastal had, had an inability to score on us. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's got something to prove. You know, with Pickney there, we, obviously, we talked to Coach McKnight yesterday at the, the cookoff luncheon. He says, whenever you're playing a team that's got somebody that came from your program, that just makes you want to win that game even more. Uh, no. In the short time we've been in this series, the home team has never won. So, you know, that that kind of math is in Coastal's favor, but I still I still believe you know what Ryan said they're overrated, and I Coastal is one of the um, as far as the, the teams that are predicted to, to do well in the Sun Belt East, it's one of the ones I have the least concern about. Well, the good news is about doing a live stream is that if they use this in bulletin board material after the fact, if Coastal wins, our faces will all be on the screen. They might have to pay some royalties, so that's a nice thing. <laughs> I want my NIL deal. I guess no, they, they can use yeah. my face. It's okay. I, the, <laughs> yeah, I guess will. this works works as a place. I, I got a few discussion questions, maybe shape the discussion. Obviously, we welcome any in the chat as well to come in. Um, talked about a couple of games there. So wondering what everyone's, what they value is maybe the most important game on the schedule. I mean, is, is it coach speaky to say the first one? No. I, I, yeah, I mean, yes, yes, it yeah. is. Assume that we are football <laughs> coaches who are not, and we're allowed to look past the first game on the schedule. Like, I, okay, I know it's just, me as, yeah. As a fan, yeah. obviously, it's when we play the team, uh, the Trash Down South. You know, that's yeah. that's the must oh, win on the calendar every year. Uh, as far as we, with the way the schedule is set up, you know, that, that Charlotte, who knows what's going to happen with South Carolina and North Carolina. We could win. Uh, the odds are we will not. The odds are very much that we will not win both of them. But that Charlotte game may be our first indication of what this team really is like against a similar competition. And while I think we're, we'll be heavily favored in that game, even if we go into it 0-2, that uh, – or I can't remember if Charlotte's before or after Army. But I think that that's going to be a game where we get an idea yeah, of how we're going to perform. Game. Yeah, that's, that's where we'll get an idea about how we're going to perform against our, um, our division or our – conference opponents so i think that maybe that one even though maybe not the sexiest game on the schedule i think that it's one that's going to we're going to really get a get an idea about what this team is and and uh because because i can't reuse trash down south i'll go ahead and pick um appy because it's just going to feel real good to beat them finally once we do it's just going to feel so good and i think even if we lost a bunch of other games like some things would be forgiven if we won that game uh that's that's how important it is to just get that get that knock that rust off you know <laughs> really <laughs> well, close to it happening would be true in 2021 georgia state. or 2020 it would be true georgia state fashion for us to lose to charlotte and then come out and beat app state appy state so uh yeah I, I, that's I, i'm feeling good about the team against appy state this year it's it's bound to happen sooner than later so yeah, why not the percentages are not in favor of it just always like just gonna flip and you play them close now I feel like the 2020 game, you don't take that much positive away because it ended up being a loss, but you showed you can go up there and compete, which is a hard place to win. And you think you have a better team now. You certainly feel like the offense might be in a better place. And yeah, I, I think that's probably my runner up, but I guess I teased it enough that I think that coastal game for it being the opener and it being the Thursday night game at home, it being a team that, you know, if you're giving the, App State is going to be competing for the East Division, which they probably are. 
Right. If you get a leg up on Coastal right away and have that tiebreaker in place on them, that's one team that as long as you don't drop a game you shouldn't, you'd have a good leg up on in the standings and as you're looking to win the East for the first time. And so I think that that one, even forgetting all the rest of the stuff, I just think on those merits alone, it stands out to me, especially because, you know, say they only win one or two, one of the two or none of the two in the first two games, which like you say, probably the likelihood is that it's, Oh, and two, just because you're going on the road, playing SEC school, posting ACC school, like both those games will be tough to win, let alone winning both of them. So say, for example, you lose both those. The Coastal game is a good early opportunity. Like, yes, beating Charlotte would be nice and would obviously wins or wins. But I think Coastal is valued a little bit higher. And so it would give a chance to kind of reset expectations. Whereas like last year when they went on the run, it started with wins against ULM and Texas State. And so it was like, all right, you know, you beat them, but those are teams you probably were planning on beating anyway. Let's beat a real team, you know, so to say. And this time it would be a team that everyone values as good in Coastal right away. You could reset it and say, you know, the narrative's done. We're not doing the same thing last year where we're starting off one and four or whatever. This is a team that still right. means business, even if we lost these games. And, you know, if you're winning one or two of those games and you're three and one heading into Army, you keep winning games. That's where Georgia state maybe slides into top 25 spot for the first time. Not that that's, you know, that's a long way away. You've got to play the games, but oh, don't those are the type of championship 2025. <laughs> the one positive for playing such a tough schedule is this, especially in non-conferences. There's the opportunities. If you win games, you can look really good to top 25 voters. Right. There's also right. those games. It's irrelevant, but there is the, the upside. Right, yeah, you 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 uh, you're absolutely right about how how important that coastal game is beginning of the season, as far as like, what it means for the season. I guess um, I was just looking at it as far as you know we've talked we've talked about already that you know, we don't know what what to expect. We have these high expectations, but we don't know what the team's going to look like until we see them play. Starting off with two Power Five teams in USC and North Carolina, you still may not know what you're going to look like in your conference. And that's why I was talking about Charlotte, because that's the first chance to really see the team yeah. where they should be able to establish their kind of game and, and kind of control it. But yes, uh, as far as importance goes to, be, to begin the season, obviously your games, uh, your games uh, against Coastal at Marshall and uh, at Appy are, or I can't remember is it. Appy is yeah. yeah Appy, we're, we're, I'm going to Appy. How do I not know that it's up there? Uh, yeah. So th- those are those are the ga- those those are the games that are going to decide the East and for, for everybody. Yeah. The, the the coastal marshall game the app marshall game the app coastal yeah. those the, these three teams are going to be the ones that determine who wins the east and anybody else that in the division that gets a win against one of those three teams that they're playing spoiler yeah i guess that's all i have to say uh, about that <laughs> that's a wrap um you mentioned a couple of the other teams on the schedule. And I just think it was a nice scheduling quirk. I don't know how you guys feel that you get all four of the new schools in. It was guaranteed with three of the four of them because they were all yeah. in the East and you're in the division. But I thought it was nice that you get the road trip to Southern Miss just because no guarantee you play any of the teams in the West any given time. And it, it could have right. been a, eight years or whatever. So I thought it was cool that, you know, especially just all packed right at the end of the schedule. It's a bam, 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 new team, new team, new team. Yeah, actually, scheduling uh, is like my least favorite topic, but it is David's (laughs) most favorite thing to talk about in the whole world. So 
he'll probably not, take not it the here. harp on coastal but coastal also uh, georgia state and coastal are the only two teams in conference that are playing all four of the new teams this year uh they get uh, southern miss at home we have to travel to uh, uh to hattiesburg hattiesburg yeah. uh mississippi to, 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 to play them so uh yeah i i, I like that I, I would like that um i i want to go to that game, to that Southern Miss game, just because, you know, it, it's one of the teams that have come in that actually has legit history. Southern Miss and Marshall having legit history right. uh, as a program. I, I don't think I'll be able to make it to that game, but I'm excited about it. Um, Southern Miss was definitely uh, one of the teams I was excited about joining the conference. JMU and ODU, not so much, only because of their newness, which I know is kind of uh, being uh, hypocritical <laughs> considering how, how new we are to, to FBS, but I don't care about that. We've been here longer than both of those two schools, so they're the new kids on the block. It, it actually Actually stood out to me uh, with Coach Elliott when he was talking about James Madison. He, he you know, he said all these. He kind of was just like, "We used to play them. I, you know, we know who they are. We know what this program's all about." He's like, and then and then there's ODU, and that was it. And he was done. <laughs> he was done with that line of thought. And I was like, "Oh, so, he told the Dominion is also a member of schools. the conference." <laughs> he did about all four schools, and I think he had a story about Marshall. He had a story about James Madison. He had a story about Southern Miss, and then it was and ODU. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> he probably didn't even know it was a football program. <laughs> what is? Does he know what ODU stands for? It's not the trucking line. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What else we got on the agenda? We kind of overlook it. We we talked about um, you know USC, UNC, and then you know I hopped on Charlotte, but the Army game. I think that's a big one that to also take a look at because last year we got absolutely humiliated by Army. And uh, after having beaten them in a rain-soaked, crazy game uh, <laughs> before then, so I think that's going to be a good one. You know, traveling up to West Point to play that game—that's going to be. I know there's a lot of Georgia State fans that are trying to make that trip. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm really interested in seeing. I, I want that retribution. We this will be game three of yeah. the three-game series, and I, and I want to end that series. Who knows how long we'll when we'll play them again? I want to end that with um, a winning record against them because there's very very few teams out. there records against and i'd like army to be be added to that list after this season definitely yeah i mean they're a good program too to have that winning record against like army has really built something under former trash town south coach jeff monken (laughs) he builds a really good program there army they still love the triple option they have not abandoned it like the eagles down south uh and uh they, yeah, like they still hold it in, in their hearts last year i don't really think especially on the offensive side you really gave yourself a chance to win that game. Like I know that the 43 points is what stands out for people, but I don't think the defense is really at fault. I think the offense, you know, we've kind of documented the troubles that were in the early season with the offense and basically all of those reared their ugly heads. I believe there was an early fumble uh, lost that army got. And then army is a team that if you get in a big deficit against them, it's really hard to work back. And so you kind of have everything spiral and this is a chance you're not going to be coming in where you have the full season to prep, but I did like that you're going from the Thursday before to that Saturday. So you have a couple mm-hmm. extra days to either rest or install whatever defense you're going to have to defend the option. And that gives you at least kind of the, the best of both worlds as far as that goes. And, you know, the defense for the faults through the years, you can point out, has actually been pretty good against option teams. So I don't mm-hmm. know that it's necessarily an inherently bad matchup, whereas sometimes when you look at teams when they get ready to play army, it's like, I just really don't know if they're going to be able to keep them from marching down the field. Like 
they want to do. And I don't think Georgia state's in that position. And depending on how the games go, it, it either might be one of the, you really feel like you have to win to rest some momentum back, or it might be, you've got a lot of momentum. You've won some games. You want to keep that going either way. It would be a nice cap or out of conference play. I think if you look at it where you're probably double digit underdogs to both the Carolina schools, the beginning of the schedule, you hope you beat Charlotte at home just because you need to win games at home, especially against teams that you feel like you're probably getting entered as a favorite against. It's a chance to at least go two and two and out of conference play, if not better based on how the first two games go. And that would a be an improvement on last year and b be a real achievement because it's four really unbalanced tough games. I mean, we can't look right. down at Charlotte. Charlotte's a good team. They've been building something. I think Will Healy's a good coach and they're going to want revenge from last year. And so you look at it with, especially with coastal mixed in there as the conference opener, like just can't say enough about that five game stretch of just, it's going to take a lot to come out of there with a winning record. And you no, know, I do think this team has got it in them. It's just, it's going to take a lot and it's going to take, playing like they did last year at the end of the season, the entire season, just as simple as that. That's how you get the goals you want to get to is actually doing it for minute one, snap one. Particularly the bowl game team. That's the one I want all season. Just bottle that up. (laughs) Exactly the same. Whatever you told Granger before the game, do that. Whatever he ate, eat that. Whatever, Whatever the whole beginning of that was, just do that. Before we go on, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that we got Brady to say a trash down south on the Thursday night podcast. Let's take that <laughs> mainstream. They are trash down south. That's that is their name. They should be used by no other name. But uh, talking ESPN about it in the moment, yes, I was immediately like, I don't know if this was a good idea or a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're running with it, man. It was one of those uh, words, like the words came out of my mouth and it was like, all right, it's been said. We're moving. It on. feels natural. It, it really just flows off naturally. It's like you it's thought, it's you, what they should be called. Moving on. no i want to say talking about you know army and then you know back to coastal i think coastal opens up with army in conway so that's so as much as i don't like watching teams that are not uh georgia state that's a game i'm definitely going to be watching uh, at the beginning of the season i want to see how they uh play against each other because that's going to determine you know what we're going to see on the field ourselves so i'm I'm interested in that game i'm all they said about georgia state prepping for option and I have a little more questions about Coastal just because I don't know how their defense is and I don't know if they're necessarily set up exactly the same way. And it might be a thing where Army can tap into something there. But like you say, I'll be interested to watch. It will be a case where if Coastal wins that game and maybe if they win it going running away, like I'll be like, all right, I'm taking note of this. That's an impressive win, Coastal. And, you know, if both Georgia State and Coastal win that game, it does a lot of good for the conference picture in general, just teams getting good wins. And that is ultimately something you should care about. Maybe less so if it's teams you don't want to win games at all. <laughs> He's like right. Those, teams can, He's those right. teams can lose games. He's right. You can Listen live with it. Game, really wants to do it. When I was before Georgia State had football, and so I just had to rely on uh, going to games with my friends that went to UGA or to Virginia Tech or to the uh, to the teams that actually had programs. You know, I was I was like that. I was the mathematical. Like you want the, every team you play to win every single game that you know they play, other than you. 
so that your record looks better because we're talking about, especially back then, subjective rankings by polling. And my UGA friends were like, nope, Florida needs to lose every single game. Nope, Auburn needs to lose every single game. Like that, that does not work out well for you. So fast forward several years, and now Drew State's got um, you know a football team, and I'm watching these games, and I'm looking at uh, Coastal Carolina and App State and Trash Down South, and I'm like, I hope they lose every single. I don't care how bad it looks. You know, we talk all the time about that next team to to rocket out of G5 into being national prominence, like it was Boise State, UCF. Let's be the next Boise State. No one cared about anything that was going on in Mountain West because Boise State was beating the hell out of all of them. It didn't matter how those other teams did. Let Georgia State just absolutely run the run the East, run the, the Sun Belt Conference, and let those teams just get beaten uh, humiliatingly. Well, there is one weird one just because the week before North Carolina comes to Georgia State, they go up the mountain to App State. And I feel like their fans are probably sweating, like, why did we schedule two Sunbelt road games in a row like this? Like, I don't know what's going on, particularly two teams that could win. And that's the one where you look at it and it's like, as Georgia State is trying to do what you're saying and build its own profile, it might actually benefit Georgia State personally, if not the Sunbelt, for App State to lose to North Carolina and Georgia State to win that game. Just because yes, that would be way to so I it, I would agree with that theory in that specific circumstance because I do I think, think that the one thing Georgia State needs to do aside from you know win the East whatever win the Sun Belt be the best team in the conference is also just separate themselves and head to head beating a power conference team another team is playing another good team probably the class of the conference is playing would be a way of separating yourself if they weren't able to win that game right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. To be able to uh, beat app and beat UNC after app has lost to UNC. Yeah. That's that, that gives us some bragging rights. It makes it makes that uh and eight record against them right now. Feel the sting just a little bit less. It's a, you have a really good feel good year, but I do want to say, I think that whoever was in charge of scheduling UNC's out of conference games must've been high on some North Carolina moonshine or something, because like you said, scheduling at app state at Georgia state in back to back weeks, and granted, maybe when this game was scheduled, you know, Georgia State was kind of a pushover type team. But we we thought the same thing about them. We thought UNC was going to be on some kind of restrictions at that point. So you would be a possibly have a much easier win. And North Carolina actually went out there and scheduled a week zero game. They're playing like some HBCU. Yeah, Florida A&M. Yeah. And, and it's a little like, all right, we can't have our fans go the first two weeks of college football without having a home game. So we're going to schedule a week zero game to get somebody here. We can beat the hell out of, get the boosters happy, and then just, you know, cross our fingers heading over to Boone and down to Atlanta and back to back weeks. I'm As a college football fan and as a G5 supporter, like I'm thankful that they did it because it has been nice when teams have been willing to go on the road and play G5 teams. I think it's something that Georgia State's been able to take advantage of with a couple of scheduling past just this UNC game. I hope more schools continue to do it, even if they take some L's this year. But like that yeah. is it's definitely something where I'd look at it, and especially because last year did not go all that well for UNC, and there's some questions of Mac Brown. Like You're setting yourself up for just a hole you can't dig out of. If you, if you lose one of those games, let alone both of them, and if the Georgia State and App State teams are as good as we think they are, that's not a rank outside chance. Like there's, there's a, I wouldn't put it at anywhere like even odds, but each of them at least have a solid chance of winning that game, and that would just be nightmare stuff for the Tar Heel folk. 
Oh, and, and how great would it be for Mac Brown to get fired for losing to Georgia State? Like we get to hang that on our hat that they're they fired their head coach. <laughs> they lost UNC loses to Apps to Appy State, then they lose to Georgia State, and then they're like, "All right, no, nope. all right, this season's done. This this you is done. We're firing." If that happens. Oh god! Like, no way. <laughs> I don't know if they do that. He's a college football legend. I feel like maybe they're not going to do that to him, but it might be like, oh, where'd no. the plane go? Like chilling to Hartsfield, be like, here's a pink slip. He may just he, he may Steve Spurrier and and just uh, you know lick his wounds and take off and let their offensive lineman become the new interim head coach for the rest of the season. There you go. Hopefully, they don't there have Citadel on the schedule as well. So I want to toss it out there. We, I know, I know yeah, we've go got ahead. viewers out there. We got people that are watching live right now. If you guys got some questions or some comments, you know, put them in the the Facebook or YouTube chat. You know, we'll more than happy to, to talk about them here. I know Julian's watching. I can't see it, but I know he's watching. <laughs> it's usually comments. All knowing. Yeah, well, I guess a little thing I mentioned. You talked about the respect that's getting paid to Georgia State more this year, and the line that I saw most recently for over under on wins was six and a half, and that was on ESPN. Uh, Bill Colony, and I don't know where he got that number, but the first over-under number I saw for Georgia State this offseason was seven and a half. And, you know, with this schedule especially, that felt like an incredibly respectful over-under to leave because with the schedule what it is, if they're saying eight wins is not just a possibility, but the number where you'd lay it at, I think that that's, you know, again, speaks to just the difference where the team and the program has been at than recent years. Um, but given the current one that I saw, six and a half, right now, are you laying over or under on that? Oh, I'm over. With, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without, 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 yeah, without no problem. Over. Yeah. I mean, I, if we had a sports book in Atlanta, I would do it right. I would I would head down there right now. Well, maybe not yeah, I, drinking. But. That one's kind of a layup. <laughs> but I figured that would be everyone's answer. But I guess would it be any different if it was seven and a half? I mean... Are we all are we all saying <laughs> that like seven wins is a guarantee, but eight it would be awesome? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, actually, I have my my notes here from when we did you know uh, we do our episodes, and uh, I turned to the page where we were kind of talking about this, and we're we're definitely more of an off the cuff type thing, so we were just kind of writing down the teams and, you know, I had, you know, JMU old dominion trash down South, uh, Southern miss Monroe. That's five. That's guaranteed wins. That's not even talking about your out of conference games where we think that Charlotte's a guarantee. I say guarantee. I'm talking about guarantee from a fan perspective. We think it's a guarantee win. we think we're going to be, if you're going to win the somebody right, you have to put those ones down. You just have to say, yeah. Like, so, yeah. So now, now we're, now we're at seven wins before playing app coastal or Marshall. All right, so yeah, I, th- I think that uh, I, I and I and I do not see us losing all three of those games. So yeah, I think that I may take a beat on answering to over on seven and a half, but I think my answer yep. is going to be the same. I'm still going. I'm still going yep. uh, over. Well, last year we did right. kind of predictions. I think David laid our our David of Thursday night um, ten wins. He had ten and two on the record last year. I think I was Ooh. nine and three, so I looked a little bit less. And you know, we didn't miss by that much in the long run because eight wins still, you know, you got to go to the bowl game, but ended up being close. But certainly early October time, the predictions were looking real rough. But I definitely <laughs> think it's the same situation where, especially because you look at last year, there were a couple of those games like Louisiana game, the Auburn game really could have gone the other way really easily. Mm-hmm. Even okay. if you drop a couple of games like early on, you don't pull any of these upsets, which would do a lot for the program's profile. 
still feels like an easy bet just because it's been a winning team the last few years. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think eight's definitely something I would take the odds on. Right. And you mentioned uh, Lafayette. That's also one thing, you know, talking about adding the teams to the, the new teams of the conference, you know, we talk about App State being 0-8 against them. We also haven't beaten Lafayette despite being very, very close on multiple occasions. And now I don't know when we're going to see that team again. And not, not that I'm anxious to play anything from the state of Louisiana, but <laughs> I, I, I want to get, I want to even out some records. It's going to take a long time. I mean, with the current state of the conference, yeah. it's going to take us what, like 40 years to get back to even if we go undefeated against Lafayette. It's it should be, be said. Asterisk, as long as they keep the divisions as they are, which isn't a given. And the Sun Belt is one of the few conferences, even for now, keeping divisions in place. So five years down the line, we might be playing them every couple of years and it'll be a little bit more normal. I think that if the Sun Belt leadership, the, the commissioner tries to push, really tries to push to do away with divisions in the Sun Belt, you're going to see the East have serious talks of separating off into their own conference. The reason why Marshall wanted to come into this conference was they wanted to have regional rivalries. The reason why they pretty much strong rivalries, even if you got rid of divisions, you could keep some protected rivalries. You could be like, you are going to play app every year. You are going to play. They they, they were tired of flying to Texas and, you know, flying all over the place in conference USA. So I I feel like that mean that they, they affect I say this. I think they strong arm the conference in old dominion and promoting JMU. I think the conference wanted to add two teams they wanted to add Southern Miss. They wanted to add Marshall, which I think is good ad. That ad by itself is great for the conference. Yep. You add some history. You add some teams that, that fit the profile of every school in the conference besides Georgia State. And you know, and it's, it's a good ad. You're, you're now 12 football teams. You don't have to drop the basketball schools, you know. Uh, so I think that was good. But Marshall's like, no, they, they had been pushing. Marshall and Old Dominion had been pushing for this East Division conference or, uh, for so long. I just I can't imagine the East schools wanting to stay on board. And I'll tell you what, if they do separate, as much as I hate the trash down south and some of these schools we're in conference with, go with them because I don't want to be left with those West Coast schools. It is a lopsided conference, and I do not want to be you know, traveling over there to, to likes of Louisiana and South Alabama. Yeah. And with the, the regional Arkansas. divisions there, legally that new conference would be renamed Conference USA. That's just how it works. Because <laughs> it would just be the exact same thing as before the, the I guess the new conference USA where they've got like Jack State and UTEP and New Mexico Sam, State. Sam Houston. Tarleton making the jump soon, probably, because that's who they can get to join. <laughs> conference USA is such a disaster. And I like watching on the message boards and social media about the 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 conference USA three that came to Sunbelt, just like absolutely dogging conference USA so hard. It's amusing. It's that conference is in such disarray for a conference yeah. that was, you know, that Sunbelt was a feeder to Conference USA. And now it, the tides have turned. It's, I mean, Levick really thing. dodged that bullet. So. <laughs> well, well, we may have, I, we may have been one of the, uh, the six picks. Georgia State may have been one of the six picks from Conference USA to head to the American. True. That's true. So, who knows? The jury's who out knows on that. Because. Yeah. We'll see how that looks in a couple of years without Cincinnati and without Houston and without probably Memphis. I mean, that one feels like it's just a matter of what com- conference takes them other than, you know, the current American 
I don't know how much better that conference is. And I, I sort of buy that. I, I get that there's a, a feeling that some of that is just kind of like copium for not getting out of the Sun Belt. But I honestly do believe the new American, when everyone really is gone and you don't have those top programs propping you up, it's at least going to be close to a wash if it's not the Sun Belt, especially in football, taking it over. Yeah. But time's going to tell. I agree. Yep. Yeah. I think it's yeah. time. I think that's that's the next step. Well, yeah. No one knows what's going to happen with the big boys, you know, and and how the the landscape of college football changes as the P five becomes the P two, P three, or maybe maybe we're all relegated to some new purgatory tier between the big guys and FCS. I don't, you don't know what's going to happen. So uh, it would have been nice to have been as high as possible when the next changes happen. But yeah, we are yeah. where we are. Looks like we didn't get a comment. Oh, yep. Uh, Not from see, Julian sorry, who said from, was watching. Uh, Carlos, Carlos Bates. I hope the D-line gets at least four sacks on route. In the first quarter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, there is a thing on this game that I was going to mention is that, and I get that a lot of it is just message board bravado and just general, like South Carolina fans are confident and I'm not knocking them for that. That's what college football is about. is just loving on your team. Um, but I do think it's interesting that every year we do this thing where the SEC school is like, oh, we're going to pound them to the ground, yada, yada. They're not going to be able to do what they want. We're going to make them throw eight picks. And it's like, you guys don't know that like, Georgia state has not been stopped in doing what they want to do in these games. <laughs> like they want to come in and run the ball and it might happen that way. It might be that South Carolina's defense does a good job of shutting down the run. And that would do a lot of bad for Georgia state chances of winning the game, but it hasn't happened yet. You know, it happened in the second half against Auburn. That's why you lost. But I have a feeling a lot of Auburn's fans memory of that game, such as they ever want to think about it is Tucker Greg busting two fifty yard runs in the first half and Georgia state comprehensively handling them in that first half. And you no, know, point to any number of plays in the Tennessee game where the running game was just dominant. And so it's like, as I sit here, I'm not predicting a win or anything, but it's going to take something the other SEC schools who have just as much talent haven't been able to do in stopping Georgia State's run game, which is kind of the point of what they've been able to build. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, what, what do they say? Everyone's like, uh, I forget the, the, the phrasing, but everyone has like you know, a, a plan or a strategy until they get hit in the face. And so when that when the game starts and they hit those guys in the line and you, you can't bust through or you can, that's when we'll find out what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, I, I think that a lot of the arrogance of South Carolina fans, well, justified, you're an SEC team, you're playing against a G5 yeah. opponent, you are supposed to win those games and you're supposed to win them relatively handedly. Uh, so I, I get why they feel that way. Plus, most of them aren't even really educated because they didn't go to uh, their school, but uh, yeah, I, I get why they, they feel like they're going to win that way. That's why we play the game. And it's going to be a good game. And, you know, and also that's something else that coach Elliott said at the, the luncheon yesterday was when he got to, to Georgia state, he's like, I don't want to play Wisconsin. I don't want to play Oregon. I don't want to play a Penn state. I want to play sec schools. I want to play South Carolina specifically. And he told <laughs> Uh, Charlie Cobb to schedule South Carolina. And I'm like, that's because he hasn't realized he has, actually has to take the bus from Atlanta to Columbia. He can't just drive from his house to the game. So, um, but no, he, uh, he, this is the game he wanted. He, 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 and he, he believes he, I really do believe, I know it's not, it's not just coach speak. I believe that he believes this is a winnable game for Georgia state. Well, he I mean, built this team. You I remember what he said after the Tennessee game, right? 
it means more and it means more to us today. Well, no, no, but like before the game, he wrote on the board, he's like, if we rush for 200 yards, we will win the game. I don't know if it was in the locker room before the game or if it was like leading up to the practice. I don't remember the exact context, but before that game, he was like, if we hit this rushing yard marker, we're going to win. And that's what happened. I mean, they blew right past 200 yards in that game, but I don't think that that's changed. And I don't think that playing the two SEC schools in previous times has done anything to shake that confidence. And, you know, why would it? Yeah. I remember checking, I was fervently checking Twitter during the Auburn game and we were in the fourth quarter, maybe late in the third quarter. And one of the the, the tweets I saw was Georgia state is however many minutes away from never being scheduled by an sec team again. <laughs> hey, man. And that would, that was that feeling, that emotion that came over me while I was sit there in, in the stadium. I was like, Oh my God, that'd be so great. But no, we actually, we, we do want to play these teams. We, um, right. we need your money. And you're hey, I mean, I think that sentiment's true, even though they ended up losing that game. Like, I think that they can't, like, Vandy can't grit at the scheduled game. There's probably others, LSU's on the schedule next year, and they're going to keep scheduling because it's good regional games for Georgia State. But, like, that is the point is that you can have this thing where it's like, not that you're on the level of North Dakota State or close to that, but teams don't schedule North Dakota State anymore because they know they're going to win because they just keep doing right. it, even to really established programs like a Kansas State or whoever you want to name that. North Dakota State just goes in and wins on the road in these big power conference programs. And it's, you know, George State's not anywhere near that level, but especially if this get, whether it's a win or a loss, if they go in and compete again, it'll be three straight times going into SEC building and not flinching. And that's certainly, you know, if nothing else, emblematic of what, where the program's been able to build because they've played some good games. They almost beat Wisconsin in 2016, but it's been a different level where, especially when you got that Tennessee win, I feel like the confidence changed even among fans where it's like, we've done this. Like we don't need to worry about mm-hmm. how we're going to look in these games. Whereas, you know, when I went as a student in the band when we played Alabama in 2013, I mean, it's, Bama is its own class of program, obviously, but it, it was a different, right. it was just like score points. Oh yeah. And it just, had oh yeah. Completely different now. Yeah. I, I don't see Tennessee scheduling Georgia state in football, probably again in, in my lifetime. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I have a Twitter search set up that I, I follow daily, just Georgia state and any mention of the word, you know, football, basketball, soccer, whatever. And I, I don't know how often you guys look for stuff like that, but man, it's almost weekly where there's some Tennessee fan who mentions Georgia state as, as having beat them in something complaining about the coach or the team or something that, that, that memory is going to live a long time in those, uh, the Tennessee fans, uh, heads. So it's going to be a while before we see ourselves scheduling those guys again. And I guess the, the other thing on football we haven't mentioned yet that we don't really know what it's going to look like is allegedly from all indications, special teams is going to be a factor and there's going to be all types of pump locks on and returns on and that they specifically brought in a coordinator to handle that because they wanted that to be a plus for the team. And as anyone who's been watching the program recently can say, even with the success, that would be a departure where it wouldn't be the thing where you can circle where it's like, yeah, you're winning all these games, but it's the thing that I think a a few people, including uh, Ben Moore, who, couldn't join us for this stream. Uh, often mentioned as something. It's like you've got to start a father and husband than he is a Georgia State. Co- ben yeah, Moore is yeah, better yeah. better at being a father and a husband than he is at covering Georgia State. So he certainly he has been Georgia State. He's even honking, a better father. <laughs> he has certainly been honking that special teams horn for a couple of years. So I think him, especially, and some other people, really were 
I, I, we still have to see it play out, but that is that would be a change, and that is the type of thing that if you want to win championships, sometimes it comes down to one special team's play. It's the cliche, but it's true. Yeah, no, exactly, no, exactly. The cliche they say that you know, there's three facets of the game: there's offense, defense, and special teams. We've only been playing two of those three under Coach Elliott's tenure so far. If we can start playing, well, the because by the default game, you get so much. Because that's been my thing. People just get so mad about um, the you know they're not returning the ball on kickoffs yeah. and stuff. And that, that seems to be the big problem, but I'm like, I'm looking at it mathematically and you say one, one misstep can mean the game. That misstep is usually like a fumbled return or something that, yeah. you know, is, is a pretty big mistake. You get rid of all that, a, a, you know, a fairly dangerous play a, a fairly easy play to have something like that happen. You just totally take it away and, you know, start a decent starting position, too. Now they change the rules. So I think it makes sense to, to never field the ball, field we've a return. Been, we've had another. Well, I feel like. I, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Tim, with the, the, yeah. uh, the state of Atlanta sig- signature uh, entrance. Uh, I am more greatly outnumbered. <laughs> exactly. It's good. Three on one. Uh, no, but, but talking about special teams, I think that. One of the things I saw mentioned was that may be where we see Casey Adams making his debut Maybe. as a Panther, as a punt returner. And, you know, I am not one to, you know, base everything off of recruiting. I, I'm not a players kind of guy. I'm not a, not a stats and numbers kind of guy. I don't know. I, I can't watch the game and see what they're talking about. Uh, I'm more of an emotional type uh, fan. But Casey's got hey, there's something nothing special. Wrong with that. <laughs> I know. Uh, Casey's, Casey's <laughs> a special kind of guy based off everything that you can tell about, about him. And, you know, I asked Coach Elliott on, uh, during this, the Georgia State Media Day if, the, if there were going to be any new faces we'd seen make an immediate impact. And I was really thinking about Casey is who I was, who I was uh, talking about. And he said no. He said he didn't, he didn't expect anything. He really said no in about 70 yeah. different ways, making me feel like a small little child. But, uh, you know, if Not they do one to give away there, much. As, right. a, as a rule, like he's not going to get drawn on specifics like that, which is totally his prerogative. And, you know, I'd probably do the same if I was trying to, you know, especially if they were like, realize this guy, Casey, you could say it's Casey, you know, say it's whoever. If they're in practice being like, this guy keeps house in these, they're not going to let anyone know. They don't want to give South Carolina any Lincoln of idea that they've got a special teams bullet to go with. So I get it. I do want to. I do want to say that uh, Georgia State, uh, because I know that you guys are listening to this, uh, when whenever Casey gets the ball and runs and rushes the ball for you know a significant breakaway, I want the 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 post play media or the the in in game booth to be Britney Spears. You drive me, and then it just the entire crowd shouts Casey. Casey, I think that that, yes, you drive me Casey. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to charge you extra for singing. Seems like a fantasy of yours. I don't know. I live in a fantasy land, Tim. That's why we could just do it, though. You could say, you know, you make me or you drive me, whatever it was. You don't start it. And then everyone else goes, hey, Lee. What? Don't act like you don't know the lyrics of the Britney Spears song, Ryan. (laughs) Well, I I literally already forgot, but (laughs) it's fine. You could could just be the cheerleader. Georgia State doesn't have to do it. You can do it, David. Oh, you're going to lead all our cheers. No, just that one. the face of Georgia State needs to be a 45-year-old dude <laughs> holding a baby and trying to push two kids down on the ground. Like, stop it. Daddy's yeah, trying to drive be me crazy. <laughs> Casey. Right. Uh, uh, Ryan did mention something that uh, just about – I understand <laughs> that philosophy. I'm bringing it back. I'm, do, I'm bringing us bring the Thursday night part to it back. I'm just like – Yeah, you do that, man. It's your show. Um, <laughs> that, you know, I think that – I wouldn't disagree that 
before when it was just like you're taking fair catches and you're just getting started on 25 every time. Like, I imagine if someone was doing a lot in special teams during practice, the philosophy might have already changed. So it might be a case of you're looking for that now, maybe more specifically. But I feel like if there was someone doing that in years past, and you would have already seen a lot of returns. And it was a case of like when guys are just not giving you anything in that regard, it's better just to play it safe. But I do think the intentionality, and especially when asked about it, he did make it seem like it was a real, like, this is what we want to do. And that's the type of like minutia you see programs get into when they know they need to take that next step. And so, you know, whether it plays out, whether it leads to anything specifically, the thing I liked is that there was such an intentionality about it. Like it is very clearly a motive to draw something more out of these games. And so from that regard, for a team that's already put you know, what bowl trips in a row, like you haven't seen before this program to see they're looking for another gear. That's what I thought was interesting. And I thought that was at least like, they are still looking for another something. And that's right. how you get to that next level and not plateau out. Yep. We've got a question, Brady, uh, from John Foster. How is the new quarterback? I think he's talking about Steve Krajewski uh, shaping up with the team. Uh, will we see him at all this year or is this more of a uh, learning year? I'll let well, you. This, uh, is, this is a trap because we were talking about it earlier about how like last year was all about quad and immediately all this takes looks bad. Um, but I will say this is that I think Darren is pretty safely entrenched the starter right now. I mean, famous last word because that's how quad was last year, but it still feels like it's his job to underperform and lose. And the thing I've said on the pod uh, on our pod is that it's going to take someone going out and just out talenting him and just being head and shoulders better on the field because the thing that they like about Darren more than just what he offers in the football side of things is that he's taken a leadership role. Guys gravitate to him. And I think that makes him to where a guy is just going to have to beat him completely out uh, in the quarterback battle. Cause if it's going to be somewhat like a tie, which it, it doesn't seem like it's a tie at this point, I think Darren on the merits is still the starter right now. Um, but if it were close, they'd still give it to Darren just because of that side of things. And so, you know, Krajewski, we'll see. Uh, I think as of right now, him and McKeely are basically like 2A and 2B. We'll see when the depth chart gets released if there's – it wouldn't surprise me if it's an or designation where there, neither of them is necessarily the second string. Um, it wouldn't surprise me long-term if he ends up taking that second string job because he was pretty touted quarterback out of high school out of Colca County. And so certainly I could see a case where he moves into that backup role. Um, but until we see any kind of drop in performance, like we saw with quad at the beginning of last year, I'm just going to kind of say it's Darren Granger's offense. And that's going to be the way it is until he shows you have to make a change. And the way he plays, I don't know that's going to happen. Like the Darren doesn't really make mistakes. He doesn't throw them any interceptions. He doesn't put the ball in harm's way. And there might be times he has to do that a little bit more just to try and get some of those big passing plays like you were talking about earlier. But he doesn't really force the ball. He doesn't really have ball security issues where he's fumbling a lot. And so if he's just doing what he's doing running the offense, I feel like it's going to be his job. He's going to keep it. And, you know, not for nothing, the team won, what, all of the games he started you know, one seven of eight with him as the starter, won the Charlotte game. That speaks for itself. I mean, that's kind of the unmeasurable part of quarterbacks, but I think there's something to not just the team played better, but I think the offense kind of coalesced around him pretty well last year. And that should still be there as you enter 2022. 
Yeah, uh, Darren Granger was sitting with uh, Dr. Blake, President Dr. Blake, and uh, and Charlie Cobb at the table yesterday at the, at the luncheon. He is uh, firmly established as QB one on the team. Kids table uh, though, have, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, Charlie <laughs> Cobb makes every table look like the kids' table. Uh, but uh, Coach McKnight said that yeah, that there was no established uh, order for. Uh, Steve Krujewski or uh, Michaela Calasaro. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what, what I think that, that? part of that. I, I just kind of like slurred right through it because I have no idea how to pronounce it. Uh, his how it pronounce his name, but um, and, and but that's also part of the coach speak we talked about before. He's he's not he he said as much yesterday. He's not going to establish who his number two and his number three is because he wants those guys to compete for it. Yeah, and he wants to. See I mean, that's how Darren got the job. Guys. Is yeah, that there exactly. was some still even with Quad being the starter, it still felt like there was competition, and it seemed like Darren was totally unfazed by the fact that there was a starter. Like he just came in impressed. I don't think they thought he'd be the second string, let alone the starter to start. I think he worked his way into that, and so it's kind of just a testament to what he's been able to do in his short time in Atlanta. Yeah, there was a there being I. You know, I'm, I was part of it. There was a big McKaylee fan club waiting for to see him. You know, take that step as the the new quarterback for the team. And when Granger came in, it was kind of like, and you know, a lot of people were like, you know, kind of like, all right, well, let's see what happens. And well, we saw what happened, and it was good. So we we have a good quarterback room uh, right now. So hopefully, we don't have to rely on anybody else. But we feel in a pretty good position. If if someone has yeah. to take the next well, step, they're there. Third string quarterback now and McKeely or Kudrowski, whoever technically ends up being thinking about where the, the quarterback room was even three, four years ago. Like you didn't feel like you had two guys you really, really trusted. And now you're in a place where push comes to shove and you hope it doesn't. You've got three guys that you look at and it's like, <clears throat> I know who this is. I feel like they're can do a job and it's, you know, it, it's the thing that with, especially now with the transfer portal is just managing that and making sure everyone's happy. And that's hard when you have a guy starting every game like Darren and it feels like he's going to be the starter, but you want to be in this place where you've got three quarterbacks that you like, and it's not been a place where it's been in, you know, if Nick Arbuckle gets hurt in 2015, the bull trip doesn't happen. Right. It's similar probably well, with Connor Manning in 2017. And now you're not in a place well, where I think I that's the case. Well, I was I was going to say also you look at it our quarterback room was in such a position back in 2019 that when Dan Ellington went down we could play the backup quarterback or we could play a guy with a torn uh, torn quad yeah I didn't you know, yeah and, that's fair I didn't give the best and, examples and so literally like, he played that, her. that was our options Th- those were our options was, was play an injured guy who like no one comes back and plays the rest of their season when this injury happens or you know. Or, or play the backup, and we, and we decided to play the injured guy. So, yeah. Never a good sign for the backup. <laughs> Which ended up being, I guess maybe there was the foretelling there in that, that it ended up being Quad Brown, who started in 2020. I don't know. It's going to be the thing that, you know, especially it, it's going to be like not a big deal because it seems like success is coming. You're not going to focus on it, but it's going to be one of those what ifs just because. There was so that all that potential coming out of the 2020 season, and it just didn't stick. And wish him the best of luck at a uh, UT Martin this coming season. Very good, Brady. Another question from Carlos. Uh, you expect or not? A question, a, a statement. I expect a secondary to have a good year. Which, I, yeah. I mean, any unit that's got hit stick lane, you're starting off in a good place. And I feel like that's just the starting point. You just guy keeps making plays. 
just showing up everywhere, whether it's fumbles, big hits, getting the interceptions, got the pick six in the bowl game. That was kind of the, the nice exclamation point there at the end of the third quarter. And so from there, I mean, you just start with that. And of course, you know that he's going to bring what he's going to bring. Continue to build his profile to where, you know, as of right now, don't know how it's going to shake out. Probably we're talking after next season, you'd hope, from the Georgia State side. Feel like he's going to land Georgia State's best ever draft position in the NFL draft. Feels like teams in the NFL recognize his playmaking. And so just one of those things where you got to make sure you're cherishing it because he's only going to be here for X number of years left. And it's really been impressive how immediately and consistently he's put his stamp on the Georgia State defense. I'm just looking forward to the secondary uh, shutting down Sam. We uh, play coastal. <laughs> I, th- I think they're going to be motivated to do that uh, as best they can. Wish friendly, nothing but the best. Friendly though, it's like you're playing a guy used to go up against practice. Like I, I don't know that there's any like animosity about it, but like definitely, I think you're right that there's going to be some like I can't let him beat me. Like I'm going to hear about it for the rest of. The rest of the day is like it's going to be ultimate bragging rights because it's one thing to do in practice, but if you're on a different team and you're doing live action in such a important game, that's like the ultimate bragging rights. Sure. And do you take the penalty if you think he's going to be off the races? Do you? Oh, absolutely. You, in college, no question because it's a 15 yard penalty. Yeah. If it was a spot <laughs> foul, you, in the NFL, you don't want to necessarily do it because it's going to be a spot foul. But in college I, pass interference, they need to change it because it is such a like if you're beat, you're just going to grab the guy, and there's no reason you should like. It is probably what everyone is coaching around in college football just because it's what you do. You don't. They're gonna, I was going to say, they are going to have to hand it off to Sam to score because we'll just PI him every time. <laughs> no end zone throws whatsoever. Well, so, what I miss? What, what Did we go over the over under yet? Did I miss that fun? We, we talked about. Do you want to start over, guys? We can just start from <laughs> no. the beginning of the agenda. What was, who is, who is, what was, what, what, what did we all say? Everyone went over, so it was a little boring, but. Either of the overs. So the one that I currently saw this week was six and a half from ESPN. And earlier in the offseason, the first one I ever saw was seven and a half. And I think everyone collectively agreed that both of those were definitely achievable. Uh, but definitely, what, what are your thoughts? Maybe you'll be the contrarian and go under and get booze from <laughs> the chat from everyone. I'm going to say six to seven. So I, I don't, I'm, I guess I have to He's choose. Hedging. I'll, I'll go on the opposite side. I'll say I'll say under. Boo! We a tough schedule here hey. on the Thursday night podcast. Tim Thurber no, it is, is it not is true. a diehard Georgia State fan. <laughs> he hates Georgia State. It's like he doesn't even care. Whether it is Georgia State, whether it is ODU, whoever, there's going to be a team at the end of basically every year in the East that they lose a couple of games really close, and it's going to be like they look worse than they actually were, but – yeah, you know, like you said, it's a it's the wild, wild east, and there's it's you're gonna have to fight for every one of these wins. I I think it's just about where Georgia State's been recently that you feel like even given that they can still get over that hump. And I think you can't. It's like it's two minds because you can't ever let full success and just winning seven games be something that's like oh ho hum that's not a big deal, especially because within this decade or close to it we've seen what really, really bad college football looks like firsthand. And so you can't ever lose sight of just like winning consistently is a thing. But I recognize the desire to get to that next level and reach those goals. And, you know, the conference is what it is now. There's good teams in it, especially in your division. So if you want to win the East, you can't just go, oh, well, it's tough. Like it's made it harder. Like you've got to just get over it and win those games anyway. 
that's just how it's the reality of it now. Sure. But man, it is a tough schedule. Sunbelt did us no favors at all with the schedule. A little as always. The West teams could have been West teams could have been harder. I mean, I think Southern Miss is probably better than they were last year, but ULM at home is not a bad draw. You avoid Louisiana, which yeah, you should never less happy never... about because he wants revenge. <laughs> yes, we all want to you beat them. Never... We're like this close. You should never. No team should ever end their season with two away games. That, that, yeah, that's that what I got to say about some schedule. Yeah, that yeah. is unfortunate. I did project Granger to take a big step up this year, and Big Game Boomer backs me up, says he's the best quarterback <laughs> in the state. So I didn't see that, but I well, don't like acknowledging Big Game Boomer. Big Game Boomer so <laughs> man is out here just trolling. I mean, what was the guy ATL Jim? The oh, Georgia yeah, State the number one follow for Georgia State. Yeah, I forget it. It's like it. It's ATL Jim or something. I think he finally changed it to. I think it was uh, Daniel Wilson, Georgia State photographer and media person. Shout out, Dan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess someone finally got in his ears like, you, no one follows this guy. No one knows who this guy is. We don't think he's a Georgia State fan. <laughs> like, I was actually yeah, fine. It wasn't checked. us because I didn't want to acknowledge him. But I was like, it needs to right. be someone else. Like, make it voice and make it someone. I checked the dude's tw- uh, Twitter account and uh, ATL gym dude, whatever he was, he hadn't tweeted in like three or four months or yeah, something. I have was... no idea where that came from. <laughs> and, I, and I saw nothing about Georgia State on there. <laughs> it, it feels like he just like, I need a Georgia State person. So he just put ATL in his search bar and Twitter is the first account. It's like that one. They must know something. <laughs> it's got ATL. It's oh. got to be for Georgia State. The end. All right. Simple. Yep. What do you think about... Uh, Brady, the the new teams entering the conference, how are they going to perform? Well, I think Southern Miss gets the benefit of going into the weaker side. Um, They should have healthy quarterbacks this year, which will help, even though they won a couple of games playing only running backs at the uh, quarterback position (laughs) down the stretch, which is a lot of fun. Um, But I give them a little bit of a chance to improve on last year just because they get to play ULM and they get to play – Texas State, Arkansas State teams that you don't project to necessarily take a huge leap, though. It's really anyone's guess who does well in the West. That's just for the different reason is the East, a total crapshoot of just who is going to step up and be decent. Uh, no one knows on JMU. I mean, the JMU guys we talked to feel pretty good about their scholarship numbers making the jump. Just they feel because of the COVID year they're in, they were above the FCS allotted scholarships closer to 85 i think they feel like they're if not at 85 right around it for this year but i think we all collectively thought that that's just still such a jump and it's not the same sunbelt that app state or georgia southern came into and were able to have success early and they're just a lot more good teams now especially in the east and so i would be happy to be proven wrong or you know i'd be indifferent to be for whatever you want to say i would be proven wrong if james madison has immediate success but I also could see them being good pretty soon just because I think it's a good program. And I think it was a good ad, especially if you're willing to take it lumps and not give them too much short shrift for being struggling early. And then no, I give them, well, Marsh- I give them crap yeah. for being purple. I give them crap for being purple. <laughs> hey, horrible color. You need more colors. You need more <laughs> diversity. You don't need another blue team or another maroon team or red team in the Sun Belt. You need to, you got the green for Marshall. You got, okay. I mean, Southern Miss is the same as app. So you didn't get anything new there, but you got the, the same mascot like, as the trash down south. Yeah. Sorry. Black, sorry. I'll, I'll let you whatever. Oh, do you? 
Um, and I guess I mentioned ODU. I don't really know what to make of them. I feel like everyone just kind of penciling them in as like less good than other teams in the East. And so that feels like a real chance that they could impress this year just because everyone's not betting on them. And it feels like they've got the real chip on their shoulder. And uh, Marshall just got news they lost indefinitely are not going to have their star running back, Rasheen Ali, and remains to be seen how that affects them. But I feel like they have the best chance right now of being the best of the new teams in football, just because they've been the best going into this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were seven to five last year, but probably were better than that. They just didn't put it all together. Uh, they've been better than that in years prior to that. They've been a pretty decent team in conference USA. And so, yeah, I mean, Southern Miss comes into the best situation. Marshall might be the best of the four of them. And uh, definitely they've also got that history crowd. They want to be good. And so, yeah, I, I yeah. really don't have any strong opinions. I'm waiting to see how it plays out. My strongest one was just what I said earlier, that it's going to be a grind and there's going to be a team that loses a couple of games close that it's going to reflect on their record but might not reflect on their ability. It's just the nature of this new, brave new world. I can see Southern Miss kind of, I don't know, sneaking into that second spot when it's all said and done in the West. I think for the East. You could I mean, play out any scenario. Old Dominion's goal is probably not to be last. That's it. Like, don't let James Madison beat you or Southern. Well, and apparently there's a big rivalry they're renewing there because we were talking to those uh, two schools. Those Their fans were happy that they had those two. They could revitalize that, I guess. And I think because of the nature of they're both at the bottom of the East in the preseason prediction, I think it's the one they want to make sure they get over because, like you say, they don't want to be last. No one wants to be last, right? We lived there for a while. We don't anymore. Whether they want to be or not, Trash Down Someone's South gonna, seems to be like really locking up last place in the East. They were, so. they were a solid trajectory. They were the fifth in the preseason poll, um, but we'll see how that goes. We will see. I I really don't know how it's going to go year one, completely changing offenses like that. I mean, they're going completely pro style. The last time they did that, I mean, Clay Elton might be a better coach than Brian Van Gorder, but that's just tough. And the Sun Belt's good. <laughs> And let's pray. There's a couple not. of teams pretty motivated to beat them. My, my first marker. And I said this, I think on our pod a couple of weeks back is if Clay Helton is like willing to admit that it's a rivalry, it will be a check mark in his corner. It's like, all right, he's at least got a good hat on his shoulders. Like maybe he's going to coach too, because if they finally get rid of this thing where it's like, it's not a rivalry, they want to be like us. Maybe they're going to turn the corner and try and compete and win these games. Not that I'm wanting that, but like, I, I, have you guys been as confused by this? Just the strategy from Southern in recent years, just be like, it's not a rivalry. Uh, yeah, I, I got into it with somebody on social media and they made a comment about how just not a rivalry. And only only reason why we have that uh, five and three record against them or whatever it is, that two win uh, streak or whatever, five, three. It's because it's our Super Bowl every year and their team can't get motivated to play a team like Georgia State. And I'm like, I mean, so you suck. You're just not good. Like that, we were never. <laughs> That's the answer. To, right. If you go if you go go back before Georgia State started football, we your fan base, the same fan base you're part of, said that Georgia State would never win a game against the trash down south. They actually use that. They call themselves the trash down south. And they said we'd never actually win a game. And and now you're like 
we got a two game lead on the series. Like, oh, it's just two games. That's nothing. I'm like, you haven't led the series since you won that first game. Come on. Georgia Southern has never beaten a good Georgia State team. The three years no. that Georgia Southern has won in the series, it's been against teams that were, you know, one and 11, two and 10. And then 2019, the team was good, but that was after Dan got hurt. And you kind of right. saw it play out where just Dan didn't have the stamina to hang in that game. And it's like, that's right. just the facts. And sure, a couple of those times, Georgia State has beaten some iffy Georgia Southern teams. But the 2015 Georgia Southern team they hammered in Statesboro was a really good team. And they want to talk about, Willie Fritz left and he was already checked out, whatever. But it's like the fact of the matter is it was still a good team. And that's the worst loss they've had in their home stadium ever. And something that is a deep source of pride for them is their home record and yada, yada, yada. So it's like, say what you want. So we're a home record. Georgia State team. We're a home record is what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, I think honestly more than just the head-to-head, it's that Georgia State's been on a winning streak in Paulson other than 2019 what three and one now in Paulson I think that one hurts yep. them more than just the overall three and uh, five and three so the one now their claim to fame high. yeah yeah another claim to fame is that they have more points than we do in the series and so they're leading the series oh, still I, I missed this they have more points in the series and they've won more games than us overall in all of their football history I'm like, all right, cool. Well, it'll be a while till we hit hit that anyway. They've been playing yeah. for quite some time. Yeah, Georgia State could have been undefeated at this point and still would not have reached that. And I feel like if a yeah. program was undefeated through what thirteen years, you'd talk about them as pretty good, even if they hadn't reached the same raw numbers. Right. So right. I'm noticing no, we, this argument. I, I think the the one positive I got I got from the whole thing this past season was the the not a rivalry rivalry that was one thing on the on the message board that was kind of trending a little bit between uh trash down south fans and georgia state fans was it's the not a rivalry rivalry so well i think we could pivot to just talking about georgia southern all we want but i guess if there's nothing else pressing i feel like that might be a good place to leave it for now yeah been going for yeah. a good hour plus so, sounds feel good. sufficiently sounds prepped good. for the, the season ahead and looking forward to seeing what happens are we going to see you in South Carolina, Brady? Um, I will be up there. Yes. Awesome. Excellent. All right. I'll be up looming over the stadium. Or it's yeah. The stadium, so when you see the, the 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 drunk fans in blue, they're tumbling down the the, the seats. That'll be the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks to our friends from State of Atlanta for joining us for this football roundtable discussion. You can find them on social media as at State of Atlanta and on their website stateofatlanta.com. We'll be back at it in normal podcast form next week with more Georgia State sports news and updates as fall sports are already underway on campus with the start of classes this week. But until next time, have a good week and go Panthers.